Um, I have a class where she does her class recordings over Zoom. Um, mm-hmm. And every single time, you can hear... It goes through the computer speakers. And it's not mm-hmm. too loud, but every single time at the beginning of class, you know class has started because you hear that uh, recording, recording in progress. Recording in progress. Um, yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There are some big calls at work that get recorded. And yeah, that's when you get hear that. And then there are some lectures at university that also get recorded and it's the same voice it's like this you know this zoom person i think that's uh, a quite a recognizable voice these days yeah yeah so good evening skylar good morning kim um what have you been up to today oh uh good that you've asked i have spent mature like okay good portion of the day watching figure skating and yes, I know, I did say last time that the season is over, but that's my bad, because, well, bad memory of a dragon. Uh, the This week, uh, there is uh, ICU World's Junior Figure Skating Championship is happening, and it is happening in uh, Tallinn, Estonia. And I completely forgot about it, because it wasn't supposed to happen this late in the season and in the year. It was supposed to be before Montpellier, but it and it was uh, like planned uh, to be uh, con- like to be held in Sofia, Bulgaria, but it was uh, postponed and can- like postponed because of the COVID situation in Bulgaria. At least as that's that was the case, and I kind of like registered the fact that oh okay, like it, it's postponed, and then for some reason I thought it was completely cancelled, and yeah. However, it wasn't, which was uh, quite good. I have accidentally stumbled upon the live stream, ISU channel's um, live stream on YouTube. Uh, and I caught, like, middle of the short program on Thursday. Men's, men's short program. And today I watched the free skate from the very beginning. And it was really interesting to see. And uh, because it's junior league, you can clearly... Uh, First of all, the the variety of skill, like the the range of skill you see, is like I think even larger than in senior league, senior division. And also, it's it's interesting to watch from the point of view. Okay, like who would then go on and you know start meddling in in senior or not? And then it's almost kind of like a forecast for yourself and then seeing in 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 a few years time where whether you were right or not and unusual uh occurrence for me was that this time i had a skater to cheer for that a skater from kazakhstan and he even got the medal that was like a surprise for me because i was like i was thinking like if he gets into top six that would be good enough i'd be very happy for him but well look like look at him he got um silver and uh, nice. he like that skater is like Mikhail Shaidorov he was supposed to be skating in Montpellier and I did mention that like you know he didn't get to France because he messed up with his visa well apparently he mm. sorted it out like how to like he realized how to get Schengen visa and he got to Estonia and uh, he was uh like seventh 
I think after uh, like eighth or seventh after short skate. So that's what I was thinking. Like if he stays in the top six, top five, that would be a brilliant result. But then he absolutely surprised me in the free uh, skate. He had a very, very good quad lots, very decent uh, like axle combinations. So and like, I, I, you know, the another combo that had very you know had a high grade of execution was I think quad toe loop, the triple toe loop. So and overall the skate was clean. Um, my only criticism would be that he really needs to get a bit more interesting and fashionable programs. Because, like, today it was once upon a time in America by Ennio Morricone. Mm. And the costume was like, eh. So that's the only criticism. Because the skill, the potential, the capacity for, um, like, presentation, it's all there. Um, but I hope he'll, you know, he'll find a nice, uh, uh, well, a good, strong choreographer who could work with him. Like, I don't know, Misha Gale could be a good candidate because they, you know, they wouldn't have a language language barrier, for example. Um, so yeah. the results of, like, basically uh, wrapping it up, uh, the results of the Junior um, World Championship is the gold is uh, went to Ilya Malinin, unsurprisingly, of United States of America. Silver is Mikhail Shaidorov of Kazakhstan. And... Bronze went to Tatsuya Tsuboi uh, of Japan. And talking about Japanese skaters, uh, that was like a bit of a heartbreak for me because Kao Miura was skating. And Kao Miura is really good when he's at his, in, you know, in his usual form. He is... Uh, He was, he was like in the late, in the most recent Old Japan Nationals, he was fourth. I know, and that yeah. is a pretty damn good results if you remember who are the top three, yeah. right? Yeah. And and he was um, he got bronze in the four continents, which is also senior division. Uh, he was supposed to skate in um, in senior worlds uh, as a substitute to Yuzuru Hanyu. He with had to withdraw because of the injury, and so Kazuki Tamano was skating uh, as a second uh, substitute. But apparently, well, he, you know, he was uh, considered uh, healthy enough to compete for juniors because he's still, like, age-wise, basically. Like, you know, he's at that age where it's a bit borderline. You compete in both divisions. You know, for example, Ilya Malinin did the same. Like, Mikhail Shedorov is the same. So yeah. there, there, there is always, like, you know, this kind of, like, transition season for quite a lot of uh, skaters. And so I was expecting Kao to be you know, up there, up high. But he had a very, very bad short skate. I don't know why. Maybe it's an injury. Maybe it was the nerves or maybe everything together. But it was like, it was difficult to watch. And as a result, like, if you bomb short skate, it's yeah. very difficult to get up into up high uh, on the free skate. So he was like, I, I don't even remember right now what specific number he is, uh, at what position he finished, but it's like certainly not his best at all because I've seen him in his uh, at his greatest so far. Yeah, and it was a bit sad to watch. But is, sometimes you just roll a seven. It's I think you can yeah. Sometimes it. you just like you know. Sometimes like you know you just bomb the 
competition and it is like you know happened yeah. it, it happened to every skater at least once this does and it just this does beg the question though what is the distinction between junior and senior division uh the rules are slightly different uh so for example um off top of my head i don't remember much but age of course uh yeah there is like a i think there is like a top limit uh like at which you should no longer support uh, eligible for skating in junior the um in so the it's short not, prog- there's not like a hard cut off with age it's just at some point you switch from junior to senior correct there is no hard point there is like there is a age no well i would say there is age restriction but it is pretty low i think it's like 16 like at 16 you are like if you want to you can already switch to senior division uh and you know but not everybody does yeah. it because yeah. like you need you know you need to see at like where at what stage of development you are but rule wise uh of what i remember off from my head is that um juniors are not allowed to sh- jump quads in short hmm. for, for like safety they, reasons um Yes, I don't know because they're certainly allowed to jump quads in the free program. Hmm. So I guess it's a matter of like you know pacing them. Um, then in the long program, the different like, <sighs> for example, I don't think that single axles scored at all in uh, senior division. Like if you jump a single axle you just don't get any points. It just, like, gets, like, you know, a choreo element. Yet, in the junior, you get points. You get this 1.1 1. 1, uh, points for single axle, I think, or, like, just one point. Mm, so there is that. And, uh, yeah, so it's, it's like, you know, it's, 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 it's actually quite minor uh, details, Uh at least the ones that are, you know, recognizable. I'm pretty sure there are more in the rule book. Uh, maybe in the number of elements or something like uh, number of mandatory elements. But generally, the difference you see is in the like, we, like with the un- untrained eye, like without referencing the rule book, would be just the level of skill. Yeah, like that makes you know, sense. the step sequences are simpler. You know, the the spins are, you know also simpler sometimes a bit slower and in ma- with majority of skaters you look at the at them and see like that you know a couple more seasons and they would be so good and typically they are and uh, you know they transition to um senior division the, of course there is a f- undeniable factor of puberty because it hits everyone at different ages in with a different intensity and uh like that is a you know uh, for ev- any elite professional athlete that's a very very difficult threshold to pass just because you know your body changes rapidly and like you know the growth spurts and all that stuff so yep. it's uh for men uh single skating there are like it's 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 a known fact that yeah they there could be a couple of seasons when the skater is just like just like barely hanging in there just because they they shot up like 10 centimeters in height and they're off balance so it's a thing that happens yep. and they 
you know, it's now on the team of coaches and choreographers and like trainers around him uh, to um, get him through that difficult period. And of course, on this athlete uh, himself. That's for men's. For women's single skating, the story is completely different and it's too upsetting to talk about for me right now. So we like we as a podcast don't pay attention to women's skating just at all because most, mostly because time. precisely and you know why because this specific dragon my knee yeah. i just can't most of the time i can't watch women skating because for me it is fair. quite heartbreaking fair uh, yeah i mean that yeah. makes sense exactly so i prefer to anyways yeah good news mikhail shadorov of kazakhstan got junior silver well done yeah. now i expect him to do as well in this in the senior division and he'd better not mess up any more visas yeah. <laughs> god i was so angry at him when he when i learned that like oh i'm not going to france i didn't get the visa i was like oh my god you tool like who applies to visa from moscow if you have kazakhstan passport you want to have a complete change of topic? Uh, go uh, from go from good news to what might possibly be bad news. Uh, not bad news, uh, but I feel like why? No, I, I just I'm what mentally happens? preparing myself to have a disagreement on something. Um, ah, okay, okay. So, okay. Before, oh, right, yes. B- before we get yes. to the thing, I um, I I was thinking back, and I started reading a lot more because of this podcast. Um, I am very happy to hear that. And I think I've completed like four or five books so far in the year, which is pretty good. Um, given it that my, my goal for the year was 12, uh, like one per month, I'm, I'm, I'm a few books ahead of that. Um, and like, I've got not a stack few, of one. Yeah, I, I might check my, <laughs> well, I'm not looking at my Goodreads, but that's my guess. Um, but like, mm-hmm. I, I'm ahead of the goal. And, like, I started reading because because of this podcast, which is really good because, honestly, it's, like, and this is off topic from what we were supposed to be talking about, but, like, it's because it's nice to have, I'm rambling, but it's nice to have, like, a sort of, I don't know, entertainment doesn't feel like the right word for this, but it probably is. It's um, a sort of consumption that is more mindful than hours of YouTube. Um and so it's been it's been very good and it's been, it's been a rewarding kind of hobby or habit to create um that said yeah, i i went um, to the library and now i've got a stack of the one book i'm currently reading plus three other library books below that that i'm trying to get through in order i would say that depending on the type of reading because everything comes with an asterisk but on average reading can be more engaging than uh watching a video of course it depends on what what exactly you're watching and what exactly you're reading and uh, because you know i'll be the first one to admit that the amount of junk i read that is absolutely mindless can be counted in hundreds of thousands of words uh but you know you you entertain yourself however you prefer to and yet i'm very very happy to hear that you're reading more just because like you know because of you yeah <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. because that's my influence and i think i do like to think that it's a positive influence so yes. i'm smiling right now <laughs> yeah but anyway um both of us read a book i think in the last year um 
right? I read this. Mm-hmm. This was you read the first... it last year. I've read it this year. I think Th- this book was the first one I finished um, when I started the reading habit because it was the one that I was currently in the middle of. Um, mm-hmm. But I'd been getting through it very slowly because I didn't have a reading habit, and so this is the first one I actually finished when I started yes, reading. Yes, you've been happy about it. Yeah. Um, and you read it recently, and you posted a blog post, which we linked to um, in the last, last episode. Um, and we have some differing opinions on this. Um, oh, we do. I think... Do you want to mention what book that is, actually? Yes. Like, for... Yeah, yeah. So, um, the book we're talking about is John's Green, John Green's most recent book. Uh, it's called The Anthropocene Reviewed. It is, mm-hmm. uh, basically... The, the tagline is essays on a human-centered planet um i think the natural order of this should be since since for harry august you gave your opinion first and mm-hmm. so i'm i'm gonna go first and um, sure. give all the reasons why i love this book because i loved this book right and then you can go ahead but um i won't come on no uh so i'm not that mean <laughs> when i i'm thinking back to because my opinion on this book has has had time to mellow because I read this I think November, um, but I'm trying I'm trying to think back to what I thought about it because I know when I finished reading this book it, it did kind of have an impact on just the way I thought about certain 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 stuff, and it also my reading of this was very much through rose tinted glasses um, because I have that kind of I already knew who John Green was and I already was a big fan of a lot of what he did um and some of his his other books like um is the book he published before this one which was turtles all the way down um is also a book i really love but um so having already known the author from not just his books but also his like what he creates on youtube and things like that um that that definitely changed the way i thought about it but even then um from my opinion, a lot of what he was saying, um, it, it's just it's collections of essays about just certain things about the world, um, which sounds like a weird premise. But the way I read it, it was very much like, first of all, it's kind of laid out to be a story of his life, along with an anthology about the world. Um, and I just <laughs> trying to remember it was it. I very much enjoyed it. It it had a very much like it was it was very it was a very enjoyable reading. It was very much um thought provoking and just kind of made you think more about little things about the world. Um, if that makes any sense. Um, but and that's that's why I enjoyed it so much. And when I finished it it was like it, it had a complete like it told a story through an anthology of essays that was, it was a very subtle story, but it was, it was kind of like the essays were ordered in a certain way to kind of tell that story as he went through. Um, and it's, it's a story about the world, but it's kind of a story also about just John Green's life. Um, and it, so in a way, this book is also kind of an autobiography along with an anthology. Um, and that's but in general uh to stop rambling i actually did really enjoy this book um and so yeah mm-hmm. so 
floor is yours. Well, I've just been listening very cool, you know, paying attention to what you've been saying. And everything you said makes sense and it is completely valid. And basically we noticed, I think we've picked up exactly the same clues. It's just the attitude towards them is different. So uh, first of all, I didn't like this book. As per my personal rating scale on, from uh, 0 to 5, it got a 2, meaning I didn't like it. You know, and for reference, 1 is I hated it, 0 is no rating at all. Usually that, yeah, that I give that to poems. Um, 5 is like completely amazing and, I, and, and or I will be rereading it. 4 is I really liked so, it, 3 is I liked it. So yeah. that's my scale for so, reference. So, so for reference, um, do you know what the last book was that you gave a 5? Uh, yes, uh, absolutely. It was uh, it was Natural History by Carlos Fonseca. Okay. Um, did you give? Because we talked about ducks on this on this very show. Did you give ducks yes. a one? Yes, ducks okay. got one. That makes sense. <laughs> ducks got very emphatic one. <laughs> Good. Okay. Keep going. Yeah, for again for listeners who are not uh, doing the back listening, ducks. It's like ducks new report, a book I've read last year and I absolutely despised it. So uh, John Green's uh, nonfiction, the Anthropocene reviewed, got just a mere two from me. I didn't like it, and I am. I think I'm like objective enough to admit that it is not necessarily a problem of the book but the problem of the fact that i'm not the target audience of it so ah i liked i mean i liked certain aspects of it so first of all it's well edited book it's well published book you know the cover art is pretty nice i managed to get my hands on the assign on the signed edition so it's you know also nice to have um I I really like the one of those like this is one of my favorite uh, like, tricks that uh, some writers do employ, uh, and that is like having footnotes that are like a thing on oh, their yeah. own. So I appreciate like whenever I have whenever there are elaborate footnotes where you know they are authors' footnotes and not translators or editors, I absolutely adore them. Oh yeah. And I really appreciated the attempts of like making the book informative, like because it is about the world. So there are certain like factoids, like trivia that you might find entertaining. So if you read this book, you certainly will come out of it more uh, educated fact wise than before it. That's for sure. That's undeniable. But these. Like all these positive for me were at outweighed by the my like I didn't appreciate the tone of the book and what you just picked up and noted on that it was a collection of essays an anthology and yet it was like a, more of his autobiography and it was telling his uh, personal story of of John Green's life you liked it. And I've no, I have noticed the same, and I disliked it because my attitude was like, make up your mind. Either you write an autobiography or you write philosophical essays, one or the other. Uh, Fair. Because 
the, you know, because to me, the tagline was mis like not misleading, but it was just like a misnomer. It's not uh, the world reviewed or like, you know, the human centric world. It's John Green centric world because it's been a while since last time I saw or I've read so such a solipsistic, selfish book. Like, mm. and again, that could be by design, but I just didn't appreciate it. It was like, you know, and also the fact that uh, I probably have a much harder time relating to John Green compared to yourself, just because, you know, I am aware of him. I mean, I've read his uh, books before. I liked his books, like, you know, his uh, previous books that uh, were all in the more young adult uh, drama genre. So I've read his Anthropocene Reviewed, Paper Towns, and Turtles All the Way Down. All of them I liked. I mean, I didn't completely fall in love with them, but, you know, reading the first book, I liked it enough to pick up a second, you know? And I used to listen for a while to his podcast. I've seen some videos of, of his. So, I, I mean, I'd say I wasn't a fan, per se, and I'm still not a fan, but certainly I appreciate it. He's doing a great uh, job. Like, you know, for example, his charity work is really, really admirable. And he seems to, you know, like he appears to be a really good person who's striving to do good and to, um, you know, be a decent human being, which is already great. So there is all that. But he's just so unrelatable to me. And that was like, that's why I wrote uh, in uh, in my blog post, in my opinion on the book, is that uh, if I were younger and North American, I probably would have a very similar opinion to a view to yours. But to me, half of his grievances were like, dear Lord, I wish I was you know, I had mental energy to be bothered by this. And the other half is like, oh, well, good for you. So, um, so there is that. And also, I think um, it, I kind of like came in also with the high expectations because you weren't not the only person who have uh, praised this book to me. There were multiple, like there were others. Well, maybe not personal to me, but I've seen very positive reviews from other people, like you know, more public figures, and uh, it's been mentioned quite a while. And the rating is high on Goodreads. So, and also, as I've said, like I I liked his previous books, and I liked the ah. By the way, I like the podcast because we forgot to mention one thing that all this content, all the like almost maybe not all but majority of all these essays you could hear them in a podcast form and i've yeah. listened to it some of them were were written for the book but mo uh, a lot of them were podcast podcast episodes that got turned into the book precisely and that also turned me off big time because i felt like <sighs> like that content landed much better with me when it was a podcast maybe yeah. this is the book that you should listen as an audiobook maybe probably but uh, anyways uh, look, I like, think he reads his own audiobook okay I, but I that's think. the thing is like you know whenever I have an option between like going for an, picking up an audiobook is never my first instinct yeah, and I honestly yeah. like uh, I listen to audiobooks 
you know, what's my choice of audiobooks? Like, you know, how I choose audiobooks? Hmm. Not by the title or author, like what the book about is, but, but who is narrating it. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, because like, you know, I have listened to such... See, complete I... nonsense because Tom Hiddleston narrated it. Seriously. Oh, yeah. I don't <laughs> listen to audiobooks at all because any audio like consumption is completely dominated by podcasts. So if I'm reading yeah. a book, I'm reading a book. But also that reminds me, we were talking about The Martian last week, right? Or mm-hmm. Not on the podcast, but in a different place we were talking about The Martian last week. And there was a version of the audiobook read, narrated by Will Wheaton, right? Something well, like there are two, there are two versions of Martians. One is narrated by Will Wheaton, and the other one is by somebody else whose name is escaping me. And all our friends in the book club, because we had this discussion in the book club that we're both members of, both like all of our uh, friends who listened to the audio version, they were very very specific that it's not Will Wheaton version because apparently Will Wheaton is a horrible narrator. That's what I've heard. That makes sense. I can't. I can't uh, attest to any of these things because, again, uh, I I would I listen to audiobooks only if they are narrated either by Tom Hiddleston, yeah. David Tennant, or Benedict Cumberbatch. That's like seriously, that's it. The only the only thing that would ever get me to listen to an audiobook is if it was narrated by CGP Grey. Um, but besides that, I'm sticking to podcasts. Uh well, Mike Hurley's good at narrating as well no yeah like, I, I, I would i just mean like for for a long period of monologue talking right um like a long period of listening to only one person i like any of the podcasters i listen to like any of the relay mm-hmm. people i would listen but like specifically mm-hmm. cgp gray's amazing buttery voice i just certainly I just, absolutely yes, yes. uh the th- Agree, uh, but generally, yeah, the narrators, go, yeah, like on the subject of audiobooks, like the voice of narrator, whether you like the voice or not, and whether you like the intonations and the way they treat, like, I don't know, how they uh, vo- do the voice acting, that matters a ton. And this is why I can't, like, I mean, most of the time, I just, you know, I prefer physical, I prefer paper books. That's, that's, that's it. However, I Makes do sense. want to eventually get my hands on the audio version of Sandman. Mm, it was made relatively recently, and it's a that it's one of those productions that is, first of all, highly produced due to the fact that it's you know it's Sandman by Neil Gaiman. Come on. And Fair. secondly, it has a multiple cast, so that's quite interesting, and. I think Sandman himself, like Morpheus, is narrated by... Oof, what's his name? Oh my god. That Scottish actor. Not Tennant, the other one. Well, there are many Scottish actors, but like... Uh, and they're all beautiful. Yes, like unfairly pretty. Oh, Every, he's from everyone Glasgow from also. Scotland, basically. Like... Well, I lived in Scotland, not everyone. <laughs> but everyone in TV, on TV from Scotland, yes. <laughs> everyone that um, I know of from Scotland. Okay, okay, that's a good clarification. Blimey, what's the name of that guy? Um, Skylar, help me out here. Do you, have you seen uh, Have you seen X-Men First Class? A long time ago. I don't okay. remember. Okay. Ha- 
Uh, okay. Um, have you seen uh, sh like what's shoot? Okay, um, Alex. Sorry, sorry for the keyboard noises. I gotta Google what his name is. What does he play? It's like you're not talking about like Benedict Cumberbatch, because first of all, no. Is he from I mean, first of all, he's not Scottish. No, he's he's like, English, right? Yeah. Uh, he yeah. Cumberbatch is English. No. God, he also played, I don't know, he played Tamnus in the Narnia. Oh, my word. <laughs> if you want to know one thing about me, it's that I'm uncultured when it comes to pop culture. James McAvoy. Yes, that's the guy. I think James McAvoy is uh, voice cast, is voice acting as Morpheus. I might be wrong on that, but I know for a fact that he's there in the cast of um, The Sandman. So that's a... Mm good enough reason for me to pick it up and and listen but it's just like you know it's not on my top of priority list anyways going back to the anthropocene reviewed uh to summarize my opinion is that i didn't like it i didn't like it for extremely subjective reasons and also one thing that really annoyed me is that i could clearly see that the author is really trying hard to make it a very like philosophical collection of essays and yet it just like in the end for me it boiled down to just another well, okay, I say just, but like it boiled down to an autobiography. So yeah. kind of like falling short of the mark of like making it like really proper deep philosophical collection of like of work of work um thing. But again, it's his first nonfiction and his target audience is I'm sure, like I'm, I'm. I'm pretty sure that when his ideal reader is, is is like much younger than me, and with less of a background of reading crotchety German philosophers uh, that Fair. I did. Fair. So um, yeah, simply like you know, I didn't hate it. I didn't like actively like went out of my way to hatred it. I just kind of like didn't engage much with it and um the last third of the book i mostly skimmed through it and yeah i didn't like it so probably if he publishes anything more probably i won't uh pick it up fair um yeah as for me i it, it, it like i've known all along that i am basically almost exactly the target audience for this um for for most things either of the Green Brothers make, um, I'm pretty close to the target audience, um, just as I am. Um, but also, like, if you like, I, I'm thinking about like what makes the two of us have different opinions on things, and it's, of course, it's like different people have different opinions on things. But also, like, you've been reading for a lot. You have been, I don't know, you have had a more sort of you've been reading for a lot longer and therefore can look at books in a more analytical sort of way and see certain things and that that might not come to play as much with this book but like looking back to when we talked about harry august right um you had more um i'd say like critical like opinions on certain things yeah, probably. You know, um, but uh, yeah. it's kind of inevitable, I would say, and I'm pretty sure you'll get there too as well if you even want to, because like, 
when you read all the time, yeah, you inevitably like you know human brains are brilliant and dragon brains as well are brilliant at pattern recognition at you know picking up the trends and comparing one to another because that's what all we do you know there is the whole term for it right like when we see patterns where there shouldn't be patterns right there is this like there is a name for this bias uh, because we want to see patterns and like some like you know organization and when your total read count is in the hundreds yes in hundreds i was like you know it's like uh i'm oh yeah using the american yeah. way of of, uh, of numbers i'm in the 1400s now um it's a callback it's to a, a to a conversation we had off of the podcast but that's fine but anyway <laughs> keep going yeah uh sorry uh i just couldn't resist anyways like when you read so many books i would need yeah. to be very very dumb person not to pick up some of these kind of like critical approach to majority like to certain reading material so but i appreciate the you know your um your compliment and uh, thanks a lot and i think that it's uh you know that's certainly a skill that is relatively easy to develop and also another thing is that to come in you know to keep in mind is that yeah i'm just like i'm, I'm simply older than you so i had more time to read and i had more time to build up my erudition erudition you know you keep re referring to yourself as uncultured first of all um that's a jar of self-deprecation for you uh because mm. you know uh and and secondly you know uh you need to be cognizant of your um life circumstances and of your upbringing because you know it's easy to build up erudition and you know develop into a cultured snob uh, if you live in a capital if you are in a household that is like where other people like i don't know mentioned going to a ballet or opera or whatever is def defined these days as high culture you know there is always this snobbish elitistic um attitude towards culture anyways you know going to a movies is not culture going to a uh operetta which is effectively like all these musical is culture so like it's all quite arbitrary if you ask me and also like my current opinion is is probably colored by the fact that i can't stand opera um so any so going back to the point i was trying to make it's easy to pick up all this stuff if you are in just in the right like environment for it so you know the reason why it's easy for me to read probably and the fact that i've picked it up so early is because i grew up in a household where books were everywhere yeah because my parents had a large home library they still have it and well i certainly contributed to the to it when i was living with them and yeah. that's that's what it is and if you don't like it now you are in a pretty great place to kind of like do something about it yep my, my point with bringing that up was when we were talking about harry august you you like you noted certain things like my opinion was just like more simple like here's what i thought of the story 
whereas you notice certain things, specifically like Harry August, the character not being a well-fleshed-out character, um, which were things that I didn't think about until it got brought to, like, my attention. Um, but but also, yes, what, what you're saying is correct, and it's like culture is also just kind of subjective. Um, mm-hmm. So Big time. Yeah. And of course, like, you will be getting flack. Don't worry. I mean, right now I'm being all very supportive, all the dragon pibbling mode. But you'll be getting flack from me, from me for not knowing stuff. Don't worry. Okay. <laughs> like, for example, like, when we've, uh, when I've grilled you on the um, old American music. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is the sort of thing. It's like, um, and so I'm currently reading um, Project Hail Mary. Um, because mm-hmm. I read The yes, Martian, so, I, so I got on an Andy Weir kick, right? Um, mm-hmm. Artemis is on my reading list, uh, but I'm currently mm-hmm. reading Hail Mary, and no spoilers whatsoever. Uh, all Thank I'm going you. to say is that this book is the kind of book, just because of specific things about the story, You, anyone who wants to read this book at any point during their lifetime ever needs to make sure they are completely unspoiled, if at all possible. That's all I'm going to say. But, um, so that's, that's what I'm reading currently. You, you have this sort of thing, right? Um, when we're talking about culture and, like, knowledge. I I pride myself on being good at trivia. Um, mm-hmm. And that's true unless we're talking about pop culture, which unfortunately is, like, not a small part of trivia. Um yeah. But but it's that sort of thing where it's like And also like you know it's it's pop culture and also like I would hazard a guess that your trivia knowledge is also geographically focused as well. Yeah. yeah. Like it's like North America focused, I would imagine. Yes. I I I do better in North American trivia than I do in like English quizzing things like that. Um even though I I want to be able to do that, but it's it's that sort of learning thing. But it got like, this was a a topic that has been had. That's like, what is intelligence? And it's like 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 being good at something like math, right? That's not thinking. That's just a process, right? It's a process that you learn and it's rigorous. Being things that good like remembering things, remembering facts, um, which is kind of what makes a person good at trivia. Um, that's not really intelligence per se. That there memory, is a term for that. Memory is just storage, right? Intelligence, I think, in in the most basic form, is the ability to solve problems, um, which is, I don't know. I'm going so far down a rabbit hole, but but yeah. No, it's fine. It's fine, and you're so far. I'm following you. I'm you're making sense, and I I just I just want to interject here, like you know, you're basically going through the motion, like you know, through the argument of the. Of proving the theorem or like the statement that intelligence and erudition are two different and often independent things. Yeah. And um, I don't know. Um, let's take Boris Johnson, for example, the current prime minister of Great Britain. I'm sure he's a very erudite person, given his illustrious education of like, you know, he is the classical product of British education. And apologies for all our British listeners for bringing him up, but, you know, that's who came to my mind first. Because he is an example, from my point of view, is that of a person who is very educated and he's erudite, you know, he can 
quote Latin sayings and philosophers and whatnot. But he is not an intelligent person whatsoever. And I'm confident in saying that just because of things he's doing while being in the government of uh, United Kingdom. So that would be an example for you. And we both know tons of people in real life, offline, not on the internet, who are very intelligent, who are very smart and very, very kind people, but maybe not as erudite, erudite, like I keep saying this word, I have no idea how to pronounce it out loud, uh, who don't have the same level of culturedness or trivia knowledge or you name it, but it doesn't make them any more stupid. Is this the point you're trying to make? It mostly... Or did I just completely um, steamrolled over you? <laughs> Sorry. I don't. honestly don't know what I was trying to say. It's, just, it's something that got brought up. Because, um, well, kind of. Um, but, yeah. Um, no, I just, I just went down a rabbit hole because this... Yeah, and, this, I, and, this I, topic, and, I, and I derailed you. <laughs> this kind of topic, because it's 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 very philosophical, so it makes some people just fall asleep. Um, so hey, welcome to the sleeping no, corner. No, it doesn't. Um, no, well, it's it's philosophy. Um, Probably. It's, it's it's light philosophy. Um, and, <laughs> but it's when you're talking about like, I have a habit. Ever since I started playing D&D, which was actually more recently, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I have a habit of thinking about life in terms of, like, character skills and stat blocks. Um, like, <laughs> and so in that sense, knowing the difference between what your intelligence score means and what your wisdom score means, like, that's that's actually not a completely obvious distinction when you first think about it. Yeah, absolutely. And, um... I would do like okay. I'll I'll be if you ask me for a specific definition, I'll probably struggle. But I would say that you know I've just said that uh, erudition and intelligence are two different things. Maybe like wisdom is also like a third aspect of that, like of what yeah. makes a person a uh, well-rounded uh, being, and that is like you know uses their brain. Yeah, I think. The the way I've always thought about it in D and D, and this this is not original at all. I've I've heard it from somewhere. I just can't remember where. But the way I always think about it when making like a, a new D and D character is intelligence is knowing what to talk about. Wisdom mm-hmm. is knowing when to talk. Um, and also I just think it's amazing that like D and D has somehow stumbled upon kind of not a perfect but a good way of thinking about life. Just thinking about people, like because there's six kind of core skills, right? Um, see if I can name all of them. Um, intelligence, wisdom, right? The, the smart ones. Strength, dexterity. Um, and then constitution, which is actually like, I don't know. If you think about Resil- this... Constitution is yes. resilience, I think. Yeah. If, you, if, you, if you overthink this way too much, which I have, um, <laughs> then, then you'll, like, it's a good analogy for just what what is... All of this. Um, so anyway, to, to to wrap this entire um, rabbit hole up into a bow uh, and to mix all of the analogies all the time, um, it's, it's that sort of like you have 
what was I trying being smart and being able to think is not is not a measure of what you know or what you can do. It's a measure of being able to solve problems. Um, yep. And being able no to arguments think. from me here. Absolutely. So, and anyone that's who why... has read Project Hail Mary knows I stole that from Project Hail Mary, but that's not a, really a spoiler. Um, okay. But yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, I need I need to read it just because so like I avoid uh, so that I avoid getting spoiled accidentally seriously because like so many so many of my friends have read it and so many of my friends are like very very um, complimentary about this book but uh, right now I am reading um, a nonfiction game changer uh, by wait a second oh my god by by Jens. Oh, Jens, with a very difficult German name, uh, I'll do my best, uh, Schattendorf, uh, and it's a rare case, very rare case, I think maybe second time in my life when I actually know the author, and that's oh. why I picked up the book. Nice. Yeah, uh, yeah, and we attend the same university, so that's how we met, and uh, and like in a typical writer fa fashion, uh, the fact that he wrote a book was maybe a second thing I learned about him. <laughs> Makes sense. Which I can't, sense. I can't blame because it was like at the time when we were chatting, it was like just out of uh, fresh of the printing press. And I got it uh, like last summer and I finally got to, you know, reading it. And it's a good nonfiction. It's a really, really good nonfiction. So I want to get hold of him whenever I'm next in the university and get the book signed. So, and by the time I will probably finish the book and, and he will be suffering from a reader imposing their opinions on him. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's looking forward to it. Well, I can't, of course. Uh, on the other hand, I don't know, like it's a... He was like when I was when I was asking him about like oh what's the title so I was like you know I want to read it he was kind of apologetic about it saying oh it's a bit of a dry read, which is I think he's been too hard on himself because um, I think that's a good that's I, a, I think that's a habit that a lot of authors and just creators in general have some some creators are really proud of their own work and in certain cases you should be proud of your own work but I think it's really easy for anyone who's creating anything to be really critical about it. Um, yeah, exactly. Because I'm like one third into the book, and it's really interesting. And it's uh, effectively like to give a no, to give a short um, summary. It's a nonfiction book, and it's uh, it's a well researched, basically uh, study, a research on uh, that proves that being diverse and inclusive company is good for your business. So it's like full of very hard facts. It's full of uh, references to specific surveys and studies and real life examples. And it's basically, you know, exp explains as is, as is. It's like, you know, being LGBT plus friendly uh, company is not just a feel good or, you know, reputational thing. It's good for your bottom line. And um, quite, uh, quite useful. You know, I'm certainly picking some stuff up to then use at work. So that's what I'm reading right now. And after that, maybe it will be Hail Mary. Maybe. Nice. Not sure. Really depends on what mood I'll be in. I think it's interesting that you don't have a library that you go to because all of what I've read 
in the last oh like, well it's not no it's not interesting it's sad because there are plenty of good libraries around me yeah but i live in budapest and yes they're yeah. all in hungarian <laughs> yeah and, yeah that's yeah. and also also the problem is that um you know i call myself a book dragon for a reason if i read a book then i also have this urge to own it i had so... that with with hank, hank green's um um I was, about, I was about to call it a biology because i'm trying to come up with a word for a, a two book set right. duology Duo- okay not biology that would be <laughs> but no um hank green's set of of two books the, the carl series yeah, um, because yeah. i i like that series and um i want to own it but i also in, in my current living space i have a set of nonfiction books that were given to me which is mm-hmm. the secondary book that i'm currently reading which i'm reading very slowly which is nonfiction. um like the paperclip something uh operation paperclip um it's about yes. it's about um u.s intelligence after world war ii basically mm-hmm. um but um i'm reading that very slowly and i own that um i own mm-hmm. the anthropocene reviewed because it was gifted to me during my 18th birthday um mm-hmm. 18th 19th um i'm 19 years old yeah it was gifted to me on my 19th birthday that took me way too long to remember but anyway um <laughs> but besides that like the vast majority of the books i have read have been from the library because i'm not in a place where i necessarily have the finances or the space to own to, to keep buying books um, yeah, and, the, and, and the books and i do buy is... i buy for my classes um and i usually yeah the, the, the space is a really really big uh limiting factor it's not even finances to be honest because like secondhand books are often pretty cheap and you should have that you know you should have um, I'm sure okay that you have decent secondhand bookshops around you, but it's it's a matter of space. You know, you you live in a dorm, you'll have to eventually move out of it. You'll have enough of stuff without books, so yeah. it makes sense. I and already also, do, like, and I'm already having yeah, to worry it, about moving out in two weeks uh, because finals. Oh week. right, yeah. yes, because yeah, we did talk about your living situation. I, I think we did talk about it on record, right? I Possibly. Remember, but... If we didn't, uh, basically, my finals week is, like, this week I have last week of classes. Next week is final exams week. Week after that, the Tuesday of that week, I need to be moved out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, basically, then, I've got three days. Yeah. I've got three days at the end of finals to, to pack up all my stuff. I'm taking some of my stuff to a self-storage shed, which I'll pay for. It's, like, it's Holy some amount neighbors. per month. Wait, and I know they're not too expensive, so I'm just going to get, like, a small one, put some of my stuff in there. And whenever I need to live, of course, I'll just like, you know, that it's, it's stressful because I also need it's to take those days yeah. to clean everything and oh. return my keys. And it's it's stressful, not necessarily because it's something I can't do, but because I've actually over this last, I don't know, nine months, I have, I really enjoy living like, like this, this living situation, not, not necessarily because it's good. Uh, but because I have already made some of the most, like, some of the best experiences and memories that, like, will stay with me for a long time living on a university campus. And I've grown pretty fond of this dorm and this entire situation. And so it's it's a little bit just emotionally stressful, the, the idea that, you know, this year is coming to an end. Um yeah but uh, trust me you'll 
probably will, would have the same feeling even if you didn't have to move out because it's it's a matter of just passage of time and it's yeah. the realization that things pass and never come back it's a, it's still a hard feel one like, to stomach i still feel like i have no idea what i'm doing but i'm one year closer to having a bachelor's in mechanical engineering so yeah skylar what i still have no idea what i'm doing and i'm almost 40 it's fine <laughs> so it's fine it's fine it's all fine <laughs>